Comic Book Characters is an uncensored podcast. You can follow the Comic Book Characters podcast on Twitter at Twitter handle CB Characters. Again, that's at CB Characters. Or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. You can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. That's right, this week on Comic Book Characters, we're covering Fear of the Walking Dead, premiere of the hit new AMC show. We've got a first-hand account of Stephen Amell, a.k.a. the Green Arrow's appearance at SummerSlam, courtesy of Ig. We take a look at the Civil War trailer uh, from D23. We talk a little Landis, Max Landis in Fantastic Four. Is Blade's daughter coming to the MCU? Is Superman in Suicide Squad? We've got a couple of updates to the casting corner. And a new look at the Daredevil costume. And finally, some big director news for Star Wars Episode Nine. All that and more coming at you. Let's do it. Hey everyone out there in the CBCU. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, the amazing Alfred. And as always, I've got my co-host, my pal in arms, the president and CEO of Snark Industries, the invisibly invincible Ig. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. You did an awesome job on that introduction, by the way. Um, so much energy. I don't see, like, you come up so hot that I don't know if you can keep that pace going for the whole show. There's no way. It's a it's a straight drop from there. It's like a roller coaster. It just goes straight It's like down. you use like half your energy on just that intro. But um it's, that was great, it's man. A, no, it's I'm a clean I'm, burn. I know. I'm excited to be back. You know, we've been uh we have only re- you know, we've only had like one episode in the last couple weeks. Um <laughs> just cuz of schedules, you know, life getting in the way. But uh it's I, good to be know. back on the show. Um I don't even know if it's life getting in the way. I think we just needed time to decompress <laughs> from the shitstorm that was Fantastic Four the that, movie. Yeah, I think it that, just, that was it rough. lingers with you. It really rough. does. And uh, it's one of those movies that really does just get worse the more time you spend away from it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's almost haunting in a way. Like it Yeah. It's like a it's like a piece of darkness that latches onto your soul. Right. And it's then like, you can't yeah. shake it. It's like when you go for an interview and you come away thinking like, well, that wasn't so bad. And then like in your head, you're like, oh, well, I forgot to say this. You know, yeah. the next couple of days, you're like, oh, I could have said that. And then by like oh, two weeks later, you're like, well, I really fucked up that interview really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what Fantastic Four is. Yeah. Fantastic Four is a living embodiment movie of a terrible interview <laughs> that you had coming out of college. Um We've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week. You feeling good about all the stuff we got to talk about, sir? Yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff um, all over the map, really. So we're gonna hit yeah. on some uh, some pretty diverse things. It's not just gonna be like you know typical Avengers talk, um, though there will be some or of Spidey that. talk. <laughs> 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 yeah. But there's some of that too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, let, let's get started here. So the really big thing that's happened uh, this week is. The, the premiere for Fear the Walking Dead, which is a secondary series offshoot of the very, very, very uh, popular popular audience-loved Walking Dead TV show on AMC. Um, that show is on hi- hiatus right now. 
Uh, so what they did, I imagine, is they decided how can we get more Walking Dead type stuff on the air. They came up with this show. It's it's from all the same people that do Walking Dead. Um, Robert Kirkman, uh, who's the writer creator of Walking Dead, is also the producer on this show. But what it is, uh, for those that don't know, and there is going to be kind of some spoilers here. So just FYI, uh, people that haven't seen it, uh, you might. There, I mean, I'm not going to get too heavy into it, but there's a couple of things. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is a little different, and what what makes it different is that a it's set on the west coast so walking dead is set in like atlanta georgia it's in the south this is set in like in la but the other really cool thing that it does is it literally takes place at the precipice of the of the zombie outbreak like it's a prequel essentially it's a prequel the zombies have not taken over yet like the coolest scene in the show is the first scene uh, there's a junkie guy who's one of the main characters in the show. He's like a heroin addict. And he wakes up and he sees a zombie and he freaks out and he runs into the middle of the street. He ends up getting hit by a car, which you think at first is a car that is somebody else trying to escape the city, you know, from the zombies and whatnot. Right. But no, it's just some dude going to work. The camera pans up and out and you see the entire cityscape. With like buses and airplanes going right. and people everywhere, normal. everything is normal. Right. It's a really cool scene, which is like um, a stark contrast to the beginning of the Walking Dead series, where it's like literally, it's kind of like the Twenty Eight Days Later beginning right, of that where movie, just, where it's like a guy <laughs> trying to like find human beings and finds absolutely nothing, and it's just like a completely and dead, he's like lost and doesn't know what's point. going on. Right. right. So that's really cool. Um, the other thing the show is really trying to do is, uh, really up the minority factor in the show. There's a ton of Hispanics and African Americans in the cast and just littered throughout the whole show. It's, it, again, I think it's set in like somewhere in California. Yeah, I never understood so, why there were no, why there weren't more black people in, in The Walking Dead. Like that's Atlanta, Especially Georgia. if you're in, in Atlanta, Georgia, right, yeah, right. It's like, I mean, that's a huge African American I guess they're zombies? They're all zombified. I don't know, but but it looks like it looks like you know. I think what they did, what AMC did, is they saw the criticisms that people have of The Walking Dead in terms of like diversity of cast and stuff, and they they said, okay, we're going to address those things here, and it's really organic because it's set in California, so there is a lot of diversity there. Um, the other thing is, it's really centered around. <laughs> like this broken family there's like this woman she has like a couple of kids she's got a boyfriend that just moved in with her and they're like middle-aged right they're not like young and then he's got like his ex-wife and he's got kids but he doesn't see them and they don't like him it's like everyone's just having a really shitty time uh this is before the zombies so it's like you know does this ever ever say what year we're in by the way what we're what year they're in in the prequel and like no, but it, it's it's it supposed to be like modern day. It's modern day. Right. It's sometime within probably the last five to ten years. Doesn't really right. specify. Um, so yeah, but the show is actually kind of acts like a family drama in a lot of ways. There's a lot of heavy-handed scenes with like like new boyfriend talking to girlfriend's son and like boyfriend uh, who's also a father talking to his son who like doesn't like him anymore. And there's just all these kind of very lifetimey, heavy-handed <laughs> scenes. 
Right. It's a bit much for me. Uh, the the show was gangbusters. It was literally the highest rated cable television premiere of all time. Obviously, people are into That's crazy. it. Um, I thought that it was a little it was a little too heavy handed. I thought that the dialogue was a bit uh, unnatural, a little forced. The cinematography is great. The story arcs seem to be okay. It's not a bad show. I just it's not like the greatest thing ever. It's not Breaking Bad. And oh, there's also a lot of like, neither drug is... use. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. We could say neither was Better well, Call Saul. No, I'm or... saying neither is The Walking Dead, right? I mean, if we're really comparing okay, it to something, right, you would have right. to compare it to Walking Dead, which is like not I don't know. I mean, me personally, I don't I didn't think it was incredibly well written. But I know that there's a lot yeah. of people who love that show and think it's amazing. I I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. I mean, I would never I put it in the same category as like a Breaking Bad. And I don't think, and honestly, I'm not sure that the effort is there from a producer standpoint that they have, like with Breaking Bad, where you know everything was mapped out to like an infinite detail, right, right. which is what made the show so amazing. Yeah, like there'd be a callback to like three or four seasons before where you're like, "What the hell?" Where there was this one scene that was like <laughs> yeah. literally five seconds long. And you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, yeah, they, you know, The Walking Dead and near, neither The Walking Dead nor Fear the Walking Dead or that show and. But the weird thing is with Fear the Walking Dead is there's a ton of, like, drug paraphernalia. There's a ton of drug imagery. One of the main characters is a heroin addict. I really feel like when they were developing this show, they said, hmm, what is our most popular television show of all time? Oh, Breaking Bad. Okay, (laughs) that had a lot of drug use in it. What is our second most popular show of all time, arguably? The Walking Dead. That has zombies in it. Okay, let's make a show where we can just cram the two together. <laughs> and that is essentially what Fear the Walking Dead. Where just does Mad Men for... fit in that, by the way? I was about to say, I'm, I'm just waiting for them to, to cut to a character who's an adverta- advertising president. <laughs> if they do that, then I'm just like, okay, I know what you're doing, AMC. Yeah, right. I know what, I know what you're doing. But that being said, yeah, it's not It's funny you say that, show. by the way, just to stay on that subject for a second. Because yeah. there's a show that I really like. I think it's on AMC called Halt and Catch Fire. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically like it really does combine the elements of Mad Men with Breaking Bad even more so. Like you have like yeah. the, the the kind of guy in, in you know who's more of a salesman. You have someone who's dying and who's like you know uh, not necessarily Breaking Bad, but like you know almost like a Walter White character and that he's like a genius and like a misunderstood genius. Um, mm-hmm. So. It's. I mean, th- th- that's. A, there's already some precedent there for AMC doing something like that. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they like decided to incorporate some of the things from their successful shows into this one. Yeah. When it sounds like from that, from that, from that synopsis you just gave, it sounds like that show is Mad Men meets Breaking Bad, and this show is Breaking Bad meets Walking Dead. Right. Okay. Fine. Go ahead, AMC. Whatever you think you got to do. Uh, it's not the worst show to get into. There's only been one episode, so if you want to jump in on it. Uh, that is out there to the CBCU, feel free. If you like The Walking Dead, I suspect you're going to like this show a lot. Um, I think from a comic book standpoint, all it's going to do is bring even more eyeballs to the comics, which is great. Uh, The Walking Dead is is by far the most popular independent of Marvel and DC uh, comic book out there. It might be more popular than anything Marvel and DC do as well, to be honest. Uh, It's a very, very popular comic book. Um... So the one but, the one drawback I would see with a show like this is, yeah. How do you? I mean, how do you get to a point where anybody that's in, on this show 
is alive by the time The Walking Dead comes around. Yeah, and I'm not really sure. I, I was talking to a former semi-guest of, of, of uh, the comic book characters, Alex Vasquez. The other day, he's a huge, <laughs> right. huge Walking Dead mark, by the way. Like, just... Oh, I, I know that. Everything. Yeah. By the way, if loves, you if you guys remember, Alex gave us the uh, the Fantastic Four, uh, the Fantastic Denny's Four menu. Thing Burger review, Thing which Burger he loved. Review. By the way, um, yeah. By the way, that menu I think is going to be done by the end of the month. So if anybody wants to get on any of that Invisible Woman Slam, which is delicious, yeah, or the uh, Thing Thing Burger with the Thing Sauce, you yeah. better go now. Sadly, the best thing about the Fantastic Four movies, so not even you, a lie. Yeah. That's totally true. But Alex is a huge Walking Dead mark. Like he loves pretty much everything about the Walking Dead. And um, you know, where was I going with this thought? I really don't recall. Oh, uh, anyway, he oh, loved you know, the show. Okay, so my question was, where do all these characters go? Right? Oh, it's like, so he yeah. was saying. So he was saying. He told me because again, he's like all into this. He was telling me that there there are possible plans to have characters from Fear the Walking Dead eventually show up on the Walking Dead show. Yeah. Oh, that would be Even smart. though technically the Walking Dead is kind of in the future from where Fear the Walking Dead is. So yeah, I, I really don't know how that's all going to work out. But it wouldn't be too far uh, into the future, I would imagine. No, no, not not too too far. Does the show do you think the show will will go into explaining what created the zombie apocalypse? Is it is it drug I, use? Is that why there's so much drug use? <laughs> They keep teasing it like it's a virus, like it's a flu type thing. Oh, so maybe it is being passed along through their drug use. Maybe that's why there's so much drug use on the show, dude. Maybe. Foreshadowing. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, foreshadowing. Very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I watched the first episode. It, it's not bad. Um, if you like The Walking Dead, you'll like it. Uh, if you want to try it out, you're, you're one episode in. doesn't hurt. And uh, we'll see. It seems very, 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 very much like a family drama. From what I read, so it's that, it's very much a setup for. episode, and that apparently all hell is going to break loose pretty damn soon on that show, um, as you would imagine. Uh, but once the zombies kind of take over, then it's like you you basically just have another Walking Dead on your hands, right? I mean, it's like it's not going to be all that differently, all that different thematically. Yeah, I guess maybe just the 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 people might be different. Might like, I would imagine you're gonna see a more lot diverse. more death on this show because you gotta like dwindle this population down quite a right, bit. Right, because you're you're starting <laughs> right. out with a full population of yeah, people. Right, so there's gonna be so, a shit ton of blood uh, coming. That could be pretty cool, show. though. Yeah, I mean that could be pretty cool. Know, that could be pretty cool. Interesting take. Anything else on that show, man? I know I didn't watch it, but you 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 took a look at it. Um, yeah. I know it's just kind of a setup episode. Pilots sometimes are hit or miss. It doesn't necessarily mean that the show is going to be good or bad. Um, but what so you... here, here's yeah. something kind of funny. There's a there's another podcast that I listen to, and they do this thing where they review uh, movies mostly. <laughs> and their 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 rating system is the, is is terrible, but it's it's on purpose. And everything is either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. Okay. And that's it. There's no in between. <laughs> right. Ba- I'm gonna co-op their thing momentarily. This is the worst show ever. Okay. It, it's I I I ultimately I'm not sure that it's going to be something of substantive value. So I didn't hook you. You're not like, oh, I gotta watch next week. No, no. I mean, I might watch one, maybe two more, just to kind of see where it goes. But it's not the kind of show like Game of Thrones, which I know you you're not a huge fan of. But Game of Thrones is like a show where I can't wait till the next one right, comes right. out, and, and I and I, I plan my day around trying to watch it. Um, 
This is not that show. All right. Well, you know, in coming weeks, we'll see if we can get you to watch some more episodes and give us reviews. Um, I've already kind of stated that I'm not a Walking Dead fan. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think there's going to be, you know, kind of like Al's reports on, on, uh, on Fear of the Walking Dead, <laughs> what which I would, is fine. What I, would like, what I would like to do at some point is just drop you into the show like five or ten episodes in. Right. Just have you watch one random episode in the middle of the season and just have you try to figure out what's convey happening. your thoughts as to what's going on. Uh, see, but, but we'll my see. impression is it's not that hard of a show to figure out, right? I mean, it's just Probably not. It's kind of a simplistic storyline. Like, don't get killed <laughs> by zombies. Don't go killed. Do you love your new family members? Are they really still considered family in your heart if they're not biological? That's essentially the theme there of the go. show. There you go. That's pretty much it. Um... Um, but you know, no, the I one mean, pers- we definitely needed to talk about it because it's such big news, yeah. and like it just big. the it's fact huge. that it got those ratings. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest comic book related storylines uh, in a while. I mean, it, it, AMC is basically the Chris Pratt of, of cable television <laughs> channels right now. <laughs> they so, can do no wrong. Yeah, they can do no wrong. Um, you know, I, I actually wonder though, uh, as the zombie a- zombie outbreak is starting in in fear of the walking dead do you think that if Stephen amell was part of that universe do you think he would say that that people failed the city by allowing the zombie outbreak to happen where are you going here man <laughs> it's just the thing that he says you know Stephen amell green arrow he says that the show arrow yeah he's like you failed this city and then he shoots you with an arrow it's pretty awesome he sounds like kingpin <laughs> You failed. Yeah, he does. You failed the city. Doc, I to save my mom. <laughs> um, another just fucking seamless transition from you. Thank you for that. You're uh, welcome. Because I, I, I am going to talk about Stephen Amell this week. Um, cool. Because I was actually live and in person at SummerSlam this weekend in New York. SummerSlam is the second biggest pay-per-view by the WWE wrestling organization. Wrestling event only, of the year. Yeah. yeah, second to only WrestleMania. It's a huge deal. Usually it happens in L.A. This year they decided to do it in, in New York, in Brooklyn, of all places. Uh, since I live in Boston and am a big wrestling fan, I decided to go down for the weekend. I went to SummerSlam on Sunday night. I also went to NXT, which is WWE's promotional brand, on Saturday night and just had an awesome time. But I'm not going to talk. With uh, your brother Rodeo. With my brother Rodeo. Of killing, of killing the Sheik fame. Of killing the Sheik fame. With my friend Jordan. Um, I'm not going to talk about my whole weekend because that's not really comic book related. But there was a bit of a comic book angle here uh, in that Stephen Amell, the guy who plays Green Arrow in the television series Arrow, actually, for real, got in the ring and wrestled in a match. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't happen Tag that often. Match. In a tag yeah. team match, usually, I mean, WWE has a history of having celebrities come in and wrestle. Back in the day, it was uh, Mr. T did in the 80s. Mr. T. Um, Mayweather. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, they had uh, they had Drew, Drew Carey at one point, though I don't think he actually wrestled. He just kind of, like, got his ass kicked or something. Um, <laughs> Drew Carey. And then, like, WCW, which was, like, the... the uh, the competing brand, I think, had the rival Dennis promotion. Rodman and Carl Malone, and I think Jay Leno at one point. David Arquette. David Arquette, which is really a low point. Um, anyway, uh, there's a history of celebrity involvement in wrestling, and it's usually not that great. Uh, celebrities, because they're not actual wrestlers, um, it's it's a really hard thing to just pick up quickly. 
Um, wrestling, mm-hmm. even though it looks like it might be easy, is actually really, really physically demanding and really hard. Uh, Stephen Amell came in. Nobody really had any expectations, but I got to say, and I'll go into it in more depth, uh, overall, the guy absolutely killed it. And I know you watched on TV. Uh, he did great. I, I, I don't think any celebrity has ever done a better job in the ring than he did yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. He was awesome. I and, agree 100%. Uh, yeah. I, the WWE, uh, to their credit, really built a good story there. They had him team with a guy named Neville who's also just watching that guy is basically like watching like a real life comic book superhero he's just amazing some of the stuff he does he like flies around the ring yeah flies around the ring his finishing move is actually called the red arrow so that works really well with green arrow yeah perfect um, i mean like yeah so perfect and they feuded against a character named stardust who's also basically just taken straight out of a comic book wears face paint wears like a what is it like a what is that what is the, the mevlar 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 yeah um you know is is very colorful very out there animated animated character and they had him tag with a a guy named barrett who uh, that was the one weak part because i didn't really know what the what the connection was yeah. there at all. but yeah. anyway uh the match was actually really entertaining um i went in there thinking they were going to try and protect amel and that they were going to have neville take most of of the action but it was actually the opposite amel was in the ring i think maybe even more than neville was or about the same um there was a cool moment where uh, the match starts with Neville against Stardust, and Stardust does this move where he kind of props himself on the top rope and then uses that almost like a trampoline to jump straight up in the air and then fall and then land in the ring. And he like points to to Amel saying, like, I want him. I want him in the ring. I want to fight him. So Amel then does essentially the exact same move. And this, by the way, is not an easy move to pull off. It's really easy to fuck up. And I could see Amel like just standing there, like taking a deep breath, like, okay, you gotta hit this. And it's tough because you're standing on the apron. You have to then, you know, prop yourself up just on one jump to the very top rope, which is not that which is pretty high up. Then balance yourself on that rope enough to kind of like use it as a trampoline to then prop up in the air and then propel yourself off, yeah. He pulled it off brilliantly. It worked yeah, and brilliantly. that, I mean, yeah, the top rope, just for to give people an idea, it's like, I mean, it's over, it's probably five feet tall, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's usually right, the around rope. the wrestler's, like, I would say, mid-abdomen, something like that. I mean, that's kind okay, of Okay, so like four feet, four, four Something five feet. like that. I mean, there are some wrestlers that are out there, and it's, like, almost at their chin, like, almost at their, like, you know, high chest area, if you will. It's high chest area, yeah. Um, so it's, it's not a short distance, um... So that, that in itself was really impressive to see. And then, um, you know, he took... Most of the match was him kind of, like, taking damage, if you will. Like, you know, which is usually easier for guys who aren't wrestlers. Like, they can just kind of stay there and let the other guy take control, you know, doing the moves. But Amel actually got a couple of offensive moves in and even had a, a... hip toss? He had a hip toss. There was a moment where he actually jumped off the top rope onto the... Onto, like, the... The outside of the, the ring, outside right? of the ring, yep, um, and landed on Stardust and Barrett, um, and that was overall, nice. I, I yeah. mean, I don't know how that looked in person, but on great. TV, I was like, I was like, I've never seen a celebrity do anything close to that. No, I mean, celebrities when they come in, usually they're really protected. They probably don't wrestle a whole lot, and if they do, they do really, really basic stuff. Uh, Amel was not doing that. He was actually like out there wrestling like a normal wrestler would. Um, he came out wearing a green hood, which is a cool little touch. Um, at one point, he did a move on Stardust and then, like, kind of like mimed this 
bow and arrow kind of. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That was really cool. Like he was shooting an arrow at him. Like he was shooting an arrow at Stardust. So that was a cool little tie-in. Um, and honestly, like the fact that he did that in front of a New York crowd, which in the wrestling business, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, these are crowds that are known for being really, really hard on the wrestlers in that they're also really boisterous and really great for the wrestlers to wrestle in. But if you mess up and you're not good and you're not selling, the crowd lets you know, and they are pretty vicious. Um, mm-hmm. And the crowd actually was was pretty kind to Stephen Amell, and they really didn't have anything to complain about. The guy the guy did a great job. Um, so kudos to him, and he really he really killed it. And I would imagine WWE might try to use him more in the future because he was. So I was gonna good say, up. what do you what do you think what do you think is the future for Amell? I he who he by the way. Is personally a very very big wrestling fan. Amel is yeah. a huge. Well, he's WWE Canadian, fan. and Canadians tend to be tend to be really big into wrestling and hockey. Not to generalize, um, but they are. Do, um, do you, not to generalize, but it's one hundred percent true. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> in every single case, <laughs> in every single case. Um, do you what do you do? What do you think is the future for Amel and Do you think he's going to do any more matches? Do you think he's going to maybe do some promo spots somewhere I, down the line? I think the next move is to get him in a singles match. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, yeah. uh, he he ended up winning the match with Neville, uh, but obviously in a tag match, you know, there's certain you know you can kind of protect a guy like a celebrity coming in because all you got to do is just tag him out, and the other guy can come in and take over. Singles match, you really got to go out there, and you're you're a lot more exposed. But you know he showed that he can handle it, so that that's that seems to be the natural next move. Um, here's the cra- here's the, this is the one thing I took away from it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I thought he did a great job. Um, I was really excited to see it. My mom actually wanted to see it. My little sister, because uh, they watch Arrow, and so they were, you know, they were really excited. But the one thing, the other thing I took away from this was, you know, Amel does not seem like a small guy by right. any means. Like especially on the show that he's on, he's pretty big. Like he's a pretty big guy. Right. But in the wrestling ring with these other professional wrestlers, <laughs> holy crap, does he look small? Oh yeah, and I'm and I'm just like, oh my god, how big are these wrestlers? Because he looks like a, it looks like a freshman in high school versus like college age <laughs> guys. Like it's true. You could say he's still built and like you know you can see the athleticism that he has on him, but he just looks so small compared to the wrestlers because the wrestlers are gigantic. I know. I know it's true, and like the thing is, like Stephen Amell. Um, the other thing that was interesting is that he wrestled with, with his shirt off. Which I mean, yes, mm-hmm. if you were if you had the physique of Stephen Amell, you would probably wrestle with your shirt off. But that's also something that generally celebrities don't do. If uh, I had the physique of Stephen Amell, I would literally just live my life with my shirt off. <laughs> I would. Just, well, that's the thing. Like if you saw him on the day. street, you would be like, "Man, that guy looks great." But in the ring, like standing next to a guy like Neville, who's just so yeah. incredibly defined. And isn't like necessarily a, a tall. He's actually shorter than Amel, but is like mm-hmm. just unbelievable the shape that guy's in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Amel didn't actually look quite as impressive, which is crazy, because uh, the guy's obviously in great shape. Um, yeah, I mean Neville's like maybe not as short, but like twice as wide. Yeah, no, he's insane. <laughs> his, he looks like a freak. Muscle. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that uh, they did uh, WWE does a really good job with doing like uh, video packages to set up matches. And before this match, they did one that was that was all like done in comic book style. I don't know if it, it mm-hmm. showed up on your when you were watching. It did. It okay. did. Where it was like panels yep. of comic books. It was books panels and, like... with comic of comic books with drawings or drawings of Stardust, drawings of Arrow, um, and then with actual live 
clips in it. I thought I thought that was really well done. I thought it really yeah. sold that um, their feud really well. And honestly, like kudos to WWE. Like they they found a really smart tie in there. There's a lot of overlap with people who read comics and, uh, and, and people who like wrestling. And Something they found, that we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah, and they found like the perfect guy uh, to come in and you know kind of sell both things. So no, overall, I thought I thought the whole thing was great. I thought they really pulled it off. And kudos to Stephen Amell, man. That guy, that guy was great. Yeah, he really took a big gamble, put himself out there, uh, and I hope I hope he does some more stuff. I know people that are fans of the show that I've spoken to who aren't necessarily wrestling fans had heard about it and saw clips and stuff, and they were really excited. So, uh, you know, there's an audience out there for it. Definitely. Uh, Green eyes, I'd run away with you. Green eyes, cause I'm a fool. Okay, well, you know, honestly, I have no segue to the next thing that we need to cover here. So I'm just going to let you, I was trying to think of one while you were talking. I don't have anything. Just why don't you go ahead and uh, shoot from the hip there. Okay, man, this one, this one um, involves, I guess, spoilers. I don't know. It's it's about Captain America Civil War, and it's basically... um, there was a, I guess, somewhat of a trailer slash just like footage shown at a um, at a at the D twenty three. What do you call that convention? I don't even know what D. Yeah, it's like a Disney convention. Disney convention. Yeah. Um, well, they showed it. It's like super secretive. Like no, I mean, this stuff is not out there. You can't actually find any of the footage. But um, because some people were actually in the audience, like they, you know, wrote some stories about what they. Watched. Well, yeah, they had a lot of journalists in the audience. A lot of journalists. So. We actually do have a breakdown of what they showed, and I thought we'd kind of go over it real quick yeah, um, sure. as much as we could. Obviously, this is Captain America Civil War. We talked a little bit in previous episodes about kind of where the characters might be aligned, um, and we'll go into that, I guess, a little bit here, I guess, you know, once we look at at, at what happened, but um, at what happened during the trailer. But let's start off. It's um, It starts off, apparently, with the Falcon standing atop a building, uh, overlooking uh, like an African market, so already th- kind of thinking about Black Panther here. Um, right. Then there's some kind of fight that breaks out. Um, something with you know with having to do with something ha- having to do with Captain America and the Black Widow. Um, and there's apparently some kind of action sequence there um, with Crossbones, who's a new character, right? I don't think Crossbones has appeared before, right? Well, yeah, he was well in uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. He was the guy that got crushed by the building at the end. That's right. Uh, that was fighting Falcon, but like they, you know, they didn't call him Crossbones there. But I think that's that's the same guy. So funny enough, you mentioned that because in the trailer, apparently Crossbones, uh, as a as a blade, as he kind of pulls a blade out, says, "This is for dropping a building on my face." Uh, <laughs> and he and he punches that cap. Um, and there's apparently some fight there. Um, so anyway, getting back to some of the stuff that I thought was interesting, um, there's there you, you get to see uh, Ant Man in this trailer, and actually like some pretty funny lines uh, from Paul Rudd. Um, I'm trying to find him now. <laughs> I can't find him. <laughs> so, so yeah, like um, you know, I, before. I guess, and you know, they. I think they just finished wrapping on production, uh, principal production shooting for Civil War. There was a lot of rumor as to whether or not Ant Man was actually going to be in the movie. Like, they at one point that 
that uh, that uh, what's his name, Paul Rudd, was actively campaigning for a role in the film because that right. wasn't originally going to be the case. Well, clearly that worked because at the end of Ant Man on one of the post credit sequences. They allude uh, when when uh, Falcon and Cap are talking and Bucky's sitting there, uh, you know, Falcon's like, I know a guy, which is, of course, alluding to Ant-Man. So clearly Ant-Man's going to be in Civil War. And so in this trailer, uh, we do get a little bit of that, right? Now, isn't yeah, it necessarily... I have it It's here, not necessarily actually. Ant-Man in Ant-Man's suit. He could just be... Like in his civilian clothes, right? Right. Know. It's it's described as Scott Lang in the trailer, okay. so right. I guess it's just him in civilian clothes. Um, there also is in this trailer some scenes of Hawkeye and Black Widow fighting, which would um, allude to which is what we talked what about. We talked about that the they're going to be on opposite pod. sides. Um, apparently, Widow asks him, "Are we?" St- uh, Widow asks him, "Are we still going to be friends after this?" And Hawkeye replies, "Depends on how hard you hit me," um, which is in the trailer. Uh, and then we see. At the end of this trailer, Captain America's team is in a car park. Falcon opens the door of a van, and there you see Scott Lang is actually sleeping, apparently, in this van. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can totally see that. Yeah, so he wakes up, and then he's, like, really excited to see Captain America. He's like, oh, my God, you're Captain America. Uh, And then he, like, shakes uh, Captain America's hand for, like, a really long time. Apparently, like, it takes a while, and he's like, uh, and he says something like, "I'm, I'm shaking your hand too long, aren't I? Uh, then he sees Scarlet Witch, and he's like, hey, I know you. You're great, too. Uh, but he can't stop <laughs> looking at Cap. Um, and then he does this move where he, like, touches Cap's pecs, apparently. Oh, from the... Which is, the... like, a, a tie-in to Agent Carter, I guess. Yeah, because uh, in, in the first Captain America movie, when Steve emerges from the, you know, the machine that makes him all into Captain America, and Agent Carter sees him for the first time, she's like... Oh, and she like kind of touches his chest. Yeah, really. Like it's a it's a funny little part in the movie, but I guess they're calling back to that. <laughs> so in this thing, it says that Scott lets go of Captain America's hand, and he says, "You know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me." Which I guess he's like so flustered that he gets the words wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so great, man. Like you know, and I know it seems like a lot of people were just kind of like okay about ant-man like they're like oh it was good you know it wasn't my favorite and but the more i think about it it's like to me ant-man is having the reverse effect of fantastic four the more i get away from ant-man the more i keep thinking about like how much i really like the scott lang character yeah and paul rudd's portrayal of that character and just his like his his inflections and his nuance of the way he talks, his comedic timing—it's like so good. All of it is so good, and it's perfect. How much of and, that is because you're comparing your you're comparing it to Fantastic Four, though? Like, how much of it is just because? You're okay, like, that's oh, true. Because those are the, those are the last those are the last two superhero films I've seen, but I still think there's something to it. I think it literally is having the opposite effect of Fantastic Four, where the the further I get away from Ant Man, the more I'm enjoying what they did especially with the scott lane character and if and if it's if you if you strip down everything else away from ant-man and just take scott lang and paul rudd and throw him into civil war just him that could be great and the way this trailer what you just said sounds great like that sounds hilarious i I feel like 
I feel like all of his scenes are going to be really good and entertaining. Yeah, I mean, this series has always had, uh, the, the Avengers series has always really had some humor to it, and adding Rudd mm-hmm. is, is just going to help with that. Uh, a couple yeah. of other things to talk about. Apparently, at one point, there's a shot of Vision in a suit, which I'm really excited to see. Oh, I can't wait for that. I, what color do you think he goes with there? All black? Mm. I mean, he's already so well, fucking colorful. He can't go in like a gold. Yeah, like a neon no, no, no. I don't suit. think it's. I don't, I don't. No, no, no. I don't think it's anything ostentatious. But I, uh, maybe maybe gray? like a really like a coal gray. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And okay, and then also, also, damn it! This movie isn't coming out until next year, right? Right. Because that, and it comes out like in what? You're March, talking March? Halloween costume. Yes, I am. Vision in a suit I'm, would be vision in awesome. a suit Halloween costume. I'm calling it. That's my costume next year. That's incredible because all you have to do is just paint your face and then just yep. wear a suit. Because yep. if you were just the Vision now, as we know him, like that's a too that hard. is too much. Too work. much stuff. That is too way much too much fucking work. Not Vision in a suit. That's doable. Yep. That is totally, totally fucking it. doable. I'm doing it. That's what uh, I'm calling it. All right. So we also see apparently Black Panther popping his claws. I, I think it's. I, I still think it's so weird that popping claws is is is, is the the proper nomenclature for what that is. It's so weird to me. Yeah. Wolverine says Wolverine. it all the time. He's like, don't yeah. piss me off. You don't want to see me pop these claws. Is he, How is, is that? Is it Quicksilver? <laughs> like, you kind of went into an accent there that I'm not sure <laughs> was necessary. <laughs> you don't want to see me popping these claws. Okay. Um, that was like a bit... It, sounds like you're, it. It's a, kind of sounds like you're threatening Santa Claus now. Mm. Um, uh, we see right, Cap though. and his team, which apparently yeah. is... Again, we've already talked about this. Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Bucky, Ant-Man, and the Falcon running at the camera, which sounds interesting. Ooh, uh, there's like some, that. There's some lines from Tony Stark. One of them is, we have no boundaries. We're no better than the bad guys. Which, you know, makes him makes it seem like he is going to be basically lining up where he did in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government, he also says, yeah. what would you call a group of enhanced individuals who inflict their will anywhere they choose? So you can see Tony seeing... Essentially, the government's perspective here that, yeah, you know, superheroes are a bit can be essential, can be dangerous, could be dangerous, sure. yeah, and that, yeah, you know, I think they that's have to true. be a little bit more, um, I guess, responsible or I don't know, or just, just accountable, accountable for all the human for- lives that are lost. And I, I respect Marvel for going that route, to be honest, because yeah. I mean, it's like we've seen so much destruction, not just in comic movies, but in action movies in general. This is one of yeah. the few movies that's saying like, okay, what, what's what's the consequence of all that damage? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's cool. Um, and not only that, not only that, but they kind of laid that foundation a little bit with Age of Ultron, where right. you saw that they put a priority on trying to save everyone uh, in, in that town, and this is just an extension of that. Right. So good. And Mar- one thing that Marvel has made abundantly clear to me is that they are really planning this shit out long term. Right. Like, they know what the main threads of all the stories are going to be year, you know, movie after movie after movie after movie. And it shows, and it's good. And that's great. I'm glad that they have the foresight to do that. Any any final things on the, uh, on the uh, No, except trailer? that it seems like this trailer is very Captain America heavy. And I think some people were worried that this was just going to be another Avengers movie. Apparently, uh, you shouldn't be too worried about that. It's still going to be very, very Captain America heavy. Good. Well, um that, that's as, good because it as, is a Captain America movie, right? And, and it will also include quite a bit of Winter Soldier. So uh, this movie comes out in May 2016. So there's still a lot of time, uh, but everything we've heard so far sounds really promising. And of okay. course, we haven't even seen 
Spider-Man yet, and of course he's going to be in this movie. Oh yeah, he's gonna, you know, he's going to be in there. And I honestly forgot. I honestly forgot I about that. I kind of wonder what what Marvel's, um, I guess, strategy is going to be there. Are we going to get a look? Are we going to get a tease? Or I kind of feel like maybe they could, they might go the Vision route. Yeah, you know, right. they might where like you know we didn't really see the Vision for Age of Ultron until the very very end of the promotional stuff. Right, right. And even then, he was like little tiny bit like he really didn't. Let me ask you something real quick. I was curious. So obviously we have you know description of what the trailer is and this is all part of disney's big d23 convention which is supposed to be like their answer to san diego comic-con in a sense but how do you feel about that that they have these exclusive trailers that are only for the people that go to this thing and they haven't released it and and so far as i know there aren't any plans to release it um do you think that's good do you think do you like that strategy that they are kind of rewarding the people that go to these things yeah, I, it doesn't bother me. I mean, no, it really doesn't. I mean, the fact that the the fact is the movie comes out in maybe like you know a little less than a year. Like, there's a lot of time until this movie comes out. Um, yeah, it's like nine months, right? And yeah, ten months. You know, this might not even be in the form of a trailer right now. You know, and like you don't you don't want to release just like raw footage, jibber jabber, like, yeah, you, a, a, an audience. Yeah. Like, if you're you know wanting to show off kind of what you have so far. You could just show yeah. a couple of scenes, and that, that's different. Yeah. You know, putting together a trailer is hard work, and you have to have yep. really finalized scenes done. Yep. The stuff that's going to look exactly how it's going to look in the movie. So um, they might not just be there yet. Um, yeah, they probably are, but like maybe they just don't want to do it yet. I I really have no problem with it. Why, well, why, why finished, do you bring that up? They... Is that because you feel like? No, no, no. I was just curious because because online on the online communities and all the nerd groups out there, that's a big divisive thing. Like whether. They should make the trailers available, or they should leave them exclusive to the people that go to conventions, and you know, da, 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 whatever. Um, so I was just curious what your thoughts were. Um, okay, man. Well, we've got we've got a lot of other stuff to cover. Um, so going back to Fantastic Four, uh, which I'm maybe some of our CBC U- Universe audience is wishing we wouldn't do. I don't know, man. Quite some so of the much, juiciest but... stuff right now is just all the shit that's coming on after this movie has come out. I, I, I totally think you, you have a golden 24-karat gold idea, though, about marketing the Blu-ray as a, like, what happened here I know about the movie. Like, I, I think that's so brilliant. and Makes some money back, Marvel. They, they, they could make or, uh, so much Fox, money off of that. It's insane. But, but what, you, you have a nice, cool little news blurb that I actually hadn't seen on The Wire. Uh, you want to throw that out yeah, there? Yeah, it was CBC. actually on Huffington Post, of all places. But it was uh, George yeah. R. R. Martin, the guy who obviously wrote uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The books, not the story, not the not the book, not the show. Though I think he is involved in the show, right? Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and is, like, still writing producer. as they're... He's writing the books, like, yeah. <laughs> taking, the taking his time. <laughs> right. His um, one letter at a time. <laughs> right. Like, seriously. Um, they asked him about the Fantastic Four movie, and he, he gave kind of a surprising response that basically that Fantastic Four is, like, his favorite comic book series. Like, he grew up reading it, and he really loved it. And, you know, he was pretty straightforward about the fact that he just didn't like the movies that had come out. He hadn't seen the new one yet, but he knew the bad publicity that it had gotten. Uh, he talked a little bit about the previous ones with Jessica Alba and how he thought they were both really bad. Um, though I think he said the Silver Surfer one was better, uh, which I think confirms, uh, which I think most people would agree with. Uh, mm-hmm. But what, one of the things he, they asked him was, like, what would you do differently? And he basically said that if he were to make a Fantastic Four movie, he would he would probably just go back to the original Fantastic Four comics and make the story as close to stan lee's vision or you know if, uh, if you want to say it's jack kirby's vision depending on where you stand 
it was it was clearly both of them probably had a hand both at some of them point, right okay. it's not yeah. it's not one or the other it's probably a little bit of both um you know he would stick as close but in, in the interview he only mentioned stanley and he said he would stick to as close to stan lee's vision as possible and, and then he said something that was really flattering to stan lee which is that the farther you get away from stan lee the worse it's going to be um and that was that was his quote and basically that's mm-hmm. that's what he said and i thought it was just a really cool little little so uh, i yeah i don't know if you've actually read any of the game of thrones books uh i know no, i haven't like, not a huge fan of the show they're really well written he's a, he's a legit legitimately good writer um he's great with words and it's and you can see it in that quote he just boiled down the thing into the most simple statement. The thing but he's totally or the th- thing? The, the, the thing about the movie, not the thing, the character. <laughs> he boiled it down into a very simple statement, but it's so essentially true. And I think he's right. I mean, this guy is sitting atop a billion-dollar empire with Game of Thrones or whatever, and he, he nailed it. Like, I think you do need to kind of stick to what Stanley started with Stanley, Jack Kirby – um and and that's probably uh that i mean i think that shows i think that shows like with this new film where they tried to 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 go so far away from it uh and it just like fell on its face but i don't know i just thought it was interesting that george rr martin uh had that to say um and it just goes to show you yet again uh somebody who's very influential in our sort of pop culture um minutia or whatever we want to call it it was influenced by comic books you know just like Max Landis, just like you know Guillermo del Toro, just like you know all these other people. Interesting um, that you brought up Max Landis. Is this a, is this a uh, setup? Another setup? No, it was. It wasn't. It okay. wasn't meant to be. But because uh, there was also um, a couple of quotes from Max Landis who wrote uh, the movie Chronicle with uh, Joshua Trank. Right? I mean, wasn't that? Didn't he work with him on that? Yes. It was Trank's dir- directorial debut, right? And and Max Landis who. Uh, is a big comic book fan, also happens to be a big wrestling fan. Um, he, he, I guess, released a treatment that he had done um, or a script that he had written for Fantastic Four in which he had a bit of a different take. Uh, his idea was that the origin story would be the Fantastic Four going on some, like, illegal space launch, which he described right. as Branson-esque, uh, and that they become really big celebrities because people know, I guess... That they're gonna, or I don't know if they would know that they were gonna do it because it's illegal. But whatever, he says probably once they're in the air. Once they're in the air, maybe yeah. Uh, yeah. They wreck. They get horrible powers. Uh, the the government is hunting them, and then the characters split up. And you really, uh, according to Landis's quote, he says you really get into the dignit. The they, oh, Jesus Christ, I gotta stop drinking beers, dude. What was that? Did you get into the? Did you get into the? Did you get into the? Get into the dynamics of these people as they're learning to control their powers. So the origin takes place in the first two minutes, and then you learn it's a character movie. Obviously, that's a very different concept from what we got uh, in the Fantastic Four movie, where it really took quite a long time to establish these characters (laughs) as what they are. And I mean, and it wasn't necessarily a very interesting buildup. And then once you actually got to some of these characters, someone like Sue Storm. barely even uses her powers so it's like and right. neither did any of them to be honest um yeah. landis goes on to say that avengers had just come out and he wanted to present fox's superhero team as one that could beat all the avengers he describes reed richards as indestructible Ambitious. sue storm uh being able to control light johnny storm can burn harder hotter than the sun and the thing being impossibly strong 
Um, he also had an interesting take on Victor Von Doom, who he actually uh, had planned on just being a, a good guy and kind of one of uh, Reed's uh, college friends in this movie. Uh, and if there had been a sequel, he even says he probably would have kept him as a friend um, with only having him turn to being a bad guy probably in, in the third movie, which is kind of Okay, so like deal. a tragic, tragic arc. Right, yeah, right. for which... Which which tends to be a good payoff if you do it right, and and so that makes sense. Right. I mean, we don't usually take, you know, a lot of these movies don't really give a lot of these characters enough time. I mean, look at mm-hmm. look at uh, Quicksilver for example. I mean, that was a character yeah. who was introduced in the movie, given a couple lines, and then killed off, and we're supposed to care about that, but really it's kind of a missed opportunity because we don't know this guy at all. Um, if you yeah. spend two movies with a character, should have killed Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, if you spend two movies with the character, by the third one he turns into a bad guy. You're that, that that's probably going to have more of a emotional payoff. A lot of weight, a lot yeah. of emotional weight to it. Right. Uh, yeah, I like that idea. I'm a big fan of Max Landis. Uh, for you guys and gals out there in the CBCU, if you have not seen Max Landis's videos that he's made on YouTube, uh, he has got a few on wrestling and why wrestling is actually a great thing, despite the fact that it's quote unquote fake. Um, and then he's also got some Superman treatments that he kind of talks about and, and does little videos for. They're super entertaining. Like, he's his personality is definitely not for everybody. He might rub you the wrong way, but it's it's definitely entertaining. He's got a unique take. you got to give him that. Yeah, and it's all, um, like, done, like, super kind of low-budget uh, low DIY, budget. kind of, like, getting his friends mm-hmm. to... To dress up, and there a lot of them are actual celebrities that you've seen. Yes, you see Locamias. It's pretty cool. Uh, it, um, it's really good. He does he does one where he talks about how he would have done the death of Superman differently, and that, that one's really cool. I like that one. That that is really good. Um, God, I would love to see that movie. That yeah. movie that he talks about there that that sounds like that sounds like an automatic four hundred million dollar movie to me. I don't I don't know how they didn't make. That I gotta movie. say the one the one just to kind of play devil's advocate here, you know, doing a, a, a two movies where Victor Von Doom is a good guy. I mean, it's not so much. I guess it's not so much of a payoff because comic book nerds already know who Victor Von Doom is. Like they know That's he's Doctor Doom. Like it's not going to be that much of a surprise when he turns because we all know who he is. If he was like presented as you know a different name and then like by the third. You mean movie, like if he was presented as Victor Damashev? Because <laughs> that works so well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I just I. Landis's take seems pretty cool. Um, I totally agree, again, with R.R. Martin. I don't know that we're ever going to see... I don't even know when the next time we're going to see Fantastic Four in any shape or form, in the comics or in the movies. Yeah, I I think we just got to let that horse rest for a little bit or die or whatever it's going to do and and then get back to it at some later date. Okay, well, uh, moving off of Fantastic Four, which is dead in the water... Uh, let's go ahead and look at something that's kind of being revived, if you would. Oh. Um, Blade, and we've talked about this before, we've teased it, uh, that Wesley Snipes was possibly having some meetings with Marvel Studios, but possibly joining the MCU in some capacity. Well, uh, down comes uh, down the pipeline comes a story about the fact that Marvel may be looking at bringing in a story involving Blade, where it's Blade's daughter, a teenager who I guess essentially has the same uh, powers and abilities uh, into the MCU, either in a standalone film or as part of a larger group of monster hunters, and that Blade, again Wesley Snipes, would act as her father and mentor in the film. So, you know, we were we were talking before about whether 
Wesley Snipes could still kind of pull it off. Like, can he carry a film? Does anyone want him to carry a film? Do you want to watch him do stuff for an hour? You know, and the answer is probably no. But if you put him in this kind of role, more of a supporting character, then I could see it maybe working. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think, I mean, it would be cool to have the fact that it's a female lead in there would be awesome. And I would imagine an African-American character. So, like, that's in itself is cool. And yeah. it made me think of the fact that they're doing Apollo Creed's son. Uh, uh-huh. Is it his son or grandson? Well, whatever. Oh, is it a grandson? I don't know. But either way, uh, it's I like I like the idea for that, too. Um, I don't know yeah. how well they're going to pull it off, but, like, I feel like that's the right way to get... I don't know. I, I, I guess without having watched either of these movies, I think that that's a smarter way to kind of get towards the nostalgia factor than just trying to remake old movies. It's like mm-hmm. taking something that's established and kind of putting a different twist on it and still right, having which is... the tie-in to, you know, having Wesley Snipes there as Blade, having um, Stallone there as Rocky, but they're yeah. not the guys driving the movie. It's the they're not driving characters. the film. Right. It's essentially what J.J. Abrams did with Star Trek right, when they rebooted right. Star Trek because you still had Leonard Nimoy as Spock in the film. Right. And it kind of connected it together. And it was, re- and that movie was really well received critically and commercially. So it seems like they're taking that template and trying to move along. Here's the other thing real quick. Um, before we move on, <laughs> I know I'm not trying to be a dick here, but <laughs> famous last words, <laughs> how much is straight out of Compton success driving the narrative for Marvel to be like, huh, maybe we can do an African American led character and, film now like maybe maybe there's some money there now you know like Australia Compton is just doing gangbusters yeah I guess I mean I'm trying to think of other I mean like you know, you've had established you've had the like I mean, African American I mean Will good. Smith has been like a fucking yeah you know piggy bank oh you mean as long as you mean like well Suicide Squad <laughs> what is okay that? whatever that was my really bad Will Smith impression. That was really bad. Yeah, I, I thought you should have really gone with bad. the, I guess we'll have to save the Earth now, or whatever he says. Or something yeah, like that. welcome time to Earth. <laughs> no, he says something like, time to save the Earth. I love that he's like supposed to be this villain guy, and he's like, he's oh, just, no, no, yeah, he's, he's like, like that's why he goes, he goes, time to save the world. <laughs> Dude, what? You're the worst villain ever. <laughs> you can't just be you're Will Smith could, in everything could you do. You not be doing it more wrong. <laughs> you're, you're, you're totally failing. All right, man. Let's move on because we got. Let's do some quick hits before we uh, before we end off the show. All right. So Superman, Superman was rumored it's over this week to be in Suicide Squad. Henry Cavill has apparently gone on record and said that is not the case, despite the fact that people, several people, have said that they saw him on set somewhere during the Suicide Squad production. Your thoughts on Superman and Suicide Squad? Do you want him there? Do you not want him there? What about Clark Kent? Maybe just Clark Kent in there? I okay. So personally, I would. I, I think I would dig a little bit of of anticipation bit. for just a tip. Yeah, just a tip for Batman Superman. Something right. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like you're doing a movie about what, like ten new characters you have to introduce. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe yeah. maybe it's a bit much here. Like um, yeah. You know, I think you're doing Batman versus Superman. I don't know if you necessarily need to have him in Suicide Squad. It might be a fun way to just t- kind of tease things. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Batman and Superman are such big characters that it's hard to just kind of have them pop up for a scene or two. Yeah. You know, with, if, yeah. If, if there's a big thing going on with the Suicide Squad, as a viewer, you're just going to be wondering, like, why aren't Batman and Superman here? Like, why aren't they in Yeah, the- why aren't they just helping? Why is the Superman just doing everything for them? Right. That's why I kind of think, like, maybe, I don't know how they would do it, but I think maybe it's just a Clark Kent cameo, maybe? Maybe. maybe just get a little, little Clark Kent action in there, get him out of there. Right. And, you know... 
Um, another. Uh, okay, okay. So is that it? Yeah, I think we're good think with the it. Superman. Uh, casting corner. Oh yes, gotta love casting, casting corner. corner going. On. And uh, just a couple of quick hits here. We got Vin Diesel. He's back. I am Groot. He is back as Groot confirmed in Guardians 2. I don't think that anybody thought this wasn't going to happen, but it's nice to see James Gunn confirm it. Honestly, probably not that hard to get someone else to do the voice either. He's just saying three words. But I really, for whatever that's worth, I think Vin Diesel did a fantastic job. It's nice to see the continuity and cast and that uh, he's coming back on board. Uh, let's hope we can get Bradley Cooper back as Rocket and move on, move, uh, move forward. By the way, what do you think in, about Vin in the, I guess, um, in the industry, in the uh, show business industry, Hollywood, yeah, is yeah. there an easier paycheck than being crude no. in, in, in uh, no. Guardians of the Galaxy? There's almost not an easier paycheck than being a voice actor, period, because like your hours are shorter, right. but you're still paid but in on particular, union time and all that. But in particular, when you're literally having yeah. to say three voices... I mean, does does yeah. Vin Diesel get his check and three just words. turn around and be like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think I deserve this, guys." Yeah, he should just. He probably don't. Honestly, exactly. Vin Diesel right. is a great human being. I think I've I've talked about this before, and I will continue to champion him. <laughs> I'm pr- almost positive he just donates that money to charity. Like he <laughs> he probably just turns it around and sticks it into that Paul Walker charity foundation. Um, because yeah, I don't think he cares. I think he just does it because he likes it. He loves mm-hmm. comic books and stuff. He plays Dungeons and Dragons all of the time. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. He's a super but, huge uh, nerd. I like. I maybe one of these the days we can like, get him on the. Um, I'm 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 a fan. Um, yeah, let's get him on the podcast. Come on, Vin. Yeah, we're ready for you. He should be available. Uh, other casting news since we're still at the casting corner. Yep. Uh, Alfre Woodard, who um, is an actress. If you saw her face, you would know her. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, she has been cast as the villain. In the Luke Cage series, she's going to be playing Black Mariah. In the comics, mm-hmm. Black Mariah was the head of a criminal gang known kind as the Mobster. Yep, right? known as the Rat Pack. Mob- if a bit of yeah. a a bit of a kingpin, I guess though. Um, female kingpin. We'll see. Uh, that went up against queenpin. Queenpin. Oh, a bit of a queenpin. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the comics, she went up against Cage in a series called Luke Cage: Hero for Hire. For what it's worth, in the comics. Black, Black Mariah was like enormous. She was kind of she kind of looked a bit like Kingpin. She was huge. Um, Queenpin. Alfred Woodard is not very big. She's no. a normal sized person. No, she would be. Anyway, she's. By the way, I didn't know this. She she voiced the character of Don D. Reese in the animated Black Panther series. But oh, she's cool. also been in a lot of stuff. Uh, she was she was Lily in Star Trek: First Contact. And just one of those people that okay. you've seen in many, many things. But anyway. She's probably been a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I know a little bit about her. She seems very talented. Uh, yet again, uh, Marvel going with not necessarily blockbuster stars all the time, but very talented actors. Yeah. Uh, which is, seems to be just the greatest move that they can keep doing. It's, um, it's, it's so clearly the, bl- the blueprint. Because every time I hear about casting, it's someone who's known for just being a good... Actor. Like a like a Broadway level actor, right, like just right, being really great right. at acting. Uh, real quick, uh, just a quick shout out to that Marvel Knights Black Panther series. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. If not, you can find it like at Best Buy, Amazon. It's not very expensive on DVD. It's like five ten bucks. It's a, it's a really weird use of animation, but it's really good. It's a very uh, dynamic story, and it has to deal with the origin of Black Panther and stuff. If you want to get ready for Civil War. That is totally something I would recommend watching out there uh, for all the CBCU uh, listeners out there. Um, moving on to other Netflix series, Marvel series, Daredevil 
uh, they just leaked some photos. I think it was today. Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday evening. Drink time. Happy hour. What? Yeah, by the way, um, story, this is the first time we've recorded at night. And I know our readers yeah. don't give a shit. They don't actually, I don't think anyone actually wonders, like, oh, I wonder when these guys record. We usually record yeah. during the day. This is our first time at night. The morning. Having some beers. Not, I mean, this, yeah. this is fun. This is good. We're actually, we're I think we're officially time. in prime time. Yeah. Yeah. Prime time. Uh, so Netflix, uh, they released some pictures of the Daredevil costume. Just little snips, little glances. Like, you don't get, like, a full-on... Uh, looks a little more streamlined. Looks a little less ridiculous. Uh, I think it tell. looks good. It's hard, hard to, to tell. tell. I hope it's better. I didn't like the way the helmet looked in the series, uh, which yeah. is a shame, because that, that show is so damn good. Uh, it's so good in the then, black costume. And then I feel like it had a bit of a letdown in that last episode. Um, and a lot of it, unfortunately, was that costume. It was the kind of distracting to me uh i love i kind of like the all black look but anyway i hope they i, I hope like they fix it um they, they could definitely make it more streamlined and cooler looking i think they mm-hmm. i think because the show was trying to be so grounded in reality they tried to create a costume that could work in real life like essentially if somebody were to be a superhero they would want something that was more padded and like would protect themselves like you need protection right yeah, so really get stabbed. i can see why yeah. they went that route Shot. but it just looked kind of silly it'd be cool if they went with something that it does just look a little silly um yeah, so we'll throw the photos on there under the thread, and you guys, gals out in the CBCU, please let us know. What do you think about the costume? Do you think it's going in the right direction? Would you do something totally different? Did you like the one from the first season? Uh, you know, let us know. We'd love to hear your opinions and thoughts on the matter. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, we're pretty much at the end of this wonderful podcast, but there is one last bit of news I wanted to cover, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Colin Trevorrow. I think is how you say his name. Pretty cool last name. I'm pretty sure it's also made up. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, who is very now famously the director of Jurassic World, which is, I want to say, top three gro- uh, highest grossing films of all time now. That's crazy. Behind so this guy's like Avatar and Titanic. Even though this movie, in my estimation, was like nothing special. Not sure how it made so much money. Right. I mean, I, I get that it's successful, and I, I don't begrudge it anything. I thought it, I thought Jurassic World was going to be a movie that was going to make, you know, four hundred million. Yeah. It's made like a billion dollars worldwide or something. It's made like six hundred and something million dollars domestically. It's insane. Um, anyway, th- uh, so Disney got wind of that, obviously, and uh, they've tapped him to direct Star Wars Episode Nine. So we've got Episode Seven coming out, which is of course J.J. Abrams at the end of this year. Uh, I have no information on Star Wars Episode Eight at the moment. Don't even know what's going on with it. But Star Wars Episode Nine, Colin Trevorrow is going to be your director. You what go. do you think? Well, they just said, okay, you took a series that people liked and made a lot of money off of it. So let's mm-hmm. let's give you a shot at this one. I, I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know what to say about that. I wasn't a big fan of Jurassic World. Um, not necessarily that I thought they could have done. I, I, I don't I don't know what they could have done better to be honest. But like I just I, I didn't think it was all that great. Um, I was also. You know, I mean, you know, we've, we've been over this. I was drunk when I watched it, so it's hard for me to remember true. what I didn't like about it. You were no, no, you weren't just drunk. You were like really drunk. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, did, yeah. I had some reasons. I just don't remember what they okay. are. But um, it's okay. There were a lot of things I didn't like. And as as my as my friend Divya brought up, um, you know, having the female lead running around in high heels. The high movie, heels and not really explaining it. Not issue. really. Yeah. It was uh, problematic. Um, here's the thing between J uh, between. Uh, J.J. Abrams and Colin Trevorrow. I'm much more excited about what what J.J. Abrams has to bring to the table. Yeah, and let me throw a name out there because I don't know who who the director for 
Star Wars Episode Eight is. Uh, I I believe they've announced it, but I just have no idea who it is. So it's sorry, probably Josh Trank. Uh, no, it wa- well, Josh Trank was actually attached to a Star Wars right, project, right. but they kicked them off after the fiasco. But here's the here. I'm gonna throw a name out here. This is the guy I would love love to see get his hands on on Episode Eight. James Gunn. Oh my God, I know. Well, like he made uh, the best Star Wars movie in the last thirty years with Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I would I definitely see that. love to see a James Gunn Star Wars film. That that would be like a dream come true. So, Kevin Feige, actually, you have nothing to do with Star Wars, so never mind. Whoever the hell is in charge of Star Wars, get James Gunn. I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. It'd be amazing. Make a billion dollars. There you go. All right, man. Well, All I right, think man. that should do it. We covered quite a bit this week. And yeah. uh, I'm tired. You know. What? You're tired? You're out of it? <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you brought the energy. Yeah, spent, you brought it I'm this spent, week. Yeah. But, um, well, I used to half of it on the intro, so... But then you brought it, I feel yeah. like, in that little group bit, it kind of came alive there again. Yeah. You have these little groups. peaks and valleys. It's, it's fun. I love it's fun Vin to Diesel. witness. But uh, anyway, guys, next week we'll catch you guys. We'll go over the last week of news. Maybe even get another uh, I'll, uh, review of uh, Fear, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. But until then... The Fortress of Potitude is closed. Everyone stay super and take care. Later, guys.